Well, good day, everyone, and welcome to the extras. Uh, I'm Sam. I'm Mike, and I'm Jack. And uh, good to be back with you again today. We are looking at Genesis 20 and 21, and uh, maybe Mike, can you just remind us before we dive into our questions for this week, uh, what Genesis 20 and 21 are all about? Yeah, so we had another big chunk of scripture, the two chapters. And a big picture for me was the fact that God can bless even through the mess of life. And uh, in particular, in Genesis 20 and 21, the the mess of Abraham sinning kind of was very much deja vu. Uh, Abraham sinning by uh, giving his uh, wife, Sarah, passing off as his sister just to protect his own skin. But God can still bless through even Abraham's sin. Uh, Chapter 21 uh, a lot of the threads come together, uh, a lot of the promises, a lot of the action comes together. And so Isaac, the son, is born. He's named the way he was supposed to be named. He was circumcised, as God said. Uh, and so there's laughter, uh, laughter yeah. of joy and uh, uh, relief. Uh, but not everyone's happy. Hagar, she's mocking, she's jealous. And so Abraham has to send her off into the wilderness. What a mess. And yet God still hears and provides and blesses Hagar and Ishmael. And then you've got another conflict with Abimelech at the end of chapter 21. But again, God can bless even through that mess. So lots of mess, but still lots of blessing. Yeah, see the faithfulness of God to the promise throughout the, the mixed up um, events that, that happen through these uh, through these chapters. Okay, um, and now, so our job on this podcast is to try and interrogate um, the text a little bit and answer some of the questions that have come up um, out of a Sunday and so we've got uh, five questions that we're going to try and get through uh, this afternoon and we'll we'll see how we go. (laughs) All right, so um, the story begins with some mess, right, in in Genesis chapter 20 where Abraham uh, says that that Sarah is actually his sister. He's done this before, passed her off as his sister, but this time when he's kind of justifying his sin, Mm. he's like, wow, she kind of is my sister and it sounds like uh, she's his half-sister. Yeah. Uh, they, they share a parent. Um, now, someone's uh, questioned us on this in that Leviticus chapter 18, when it lays out some of the, the marriage-type laws for God's people, uh, this kind of relationship would actually, by God, be deemed as um, unlawful. So what's the deal? Um, or Do these laws not apply to Abraham and Sarah? Are they? Is it okay for them to have a sort of half-brother, half-sister marriage, or is God unhappy with that? Help us unpick that. Let me jump in to start, and just to say, big picture, I love this question because the person who's asking the question is trying to read Scripture in light of Scripture. Yeah. And that's actually really, really awesome, um, because that's how we have to read Scripture, in light of Scripture. So thank you for the person who asked that question, but now I'm going to hand over to Jack to give us a better answer. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great point. There's the low-hanging fruit there, right? That's <laughs> just dive in early. Yeah, no. yeah, I think this is... Yeah, it's a tough one, and it's not an isolated question. It's one example of a few different times throughout the book of Genesis where you see the patriarchs doing things that are sexually immoral so few few jack or many yeah i mean <laughs> you could probably many. start stacking things up couldn't you yeah absolutely like another example is later on in genesis jacob marries uh, leah and rachel who are two sisters and in the same chapter in leviticus that's one of the things that's prohibited for israelites you're not allowed to marry a woman and her sister as well 
And later on, you know, way down the track in the New Testament, Jesus says, yeah, marriage is, you know, one man, one woman, the way it's always meant to be. So we kind of find out the whole way along polygamy has been something that God is not pleased with. And yet in Genesis, you just don't find all of those things really singled out and condemned. Like Abraham just kind of says, yeah, Sarah's my half-sister. And I take it in light of the later biblical revelation that that is something that's wrong. It's just at the time, God doesn't seem to go to the you know, explicit step of condemning that, same as he does with, with Jacob later on. And I think this is part of, yeah, the unfolding revelation of God and his purposes. At, at the start, you know, we're still at the beginning of God's plan. Seems like God isn't trying to just, you know, pull Abraham and Jacob up on every single thing that goes wrong. Mm. There's this bigger picture purpose, God trying to, you know, set up this plan about how he's going to save his people through this promised family. And the mess that comes along the way, he doesn't always call out. Mm. Yeah, okay, that, that's helpful. So it, it, it does have to do with the progressive nature of the revelation that God does. He doesn't deal with everything straight away. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, all right, uh, now, um, that's helpful. We, we, we move on in, in Genesis chapter 21 then. Um, the, the promise, the big picture is that, that the boy um, uh, Israel is born. Sorry, Isaac is born, sorry. Um, but Ishmael, the other child, is no longer referred to by name. And uh, so interesting that he is called the boy throughout the rest of that chapter. Now, mm. wh- why is that? He's never referred to again by name in that chunk. Yeah, really good question. Again, someone who's um, paying attention to details. And uh, uh, it's fascinating that the very chapter that Isaac is born and named, uh, Ishmael is referred to but never actually named. And I think there's a really important point in the chapter that the focus is shifting. Uh, We've had Ishmael come up a few times in Genesis so far. Uh, But now with the coming of Isaac... Um, the focus shifts quickly and clearly to him. And so he is the promised child. He's the fulfillment of the promise. Uh, he's the, the person, the son that we're supposed to focus on now. And I think it's fascinating that actually when you get to chapter 22, God will say to Abraham, um, refer to Isaac as your son, your only son. And so Again, the focus is just going right off Ishmael and right onto Isaac. Yeah, is, is that a like a literary device? Do you think the way that's done is that what's what we're meant to read that as? I think so. Yeah, I mean, one place where I think it comes out really beautifully is chapter twenty-one, verse twelve. So God says, you know, it's through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned, and that word that gets translated "reckoned" it's the Hebrew word that means like to call. It's it's the word that gets used when people are talking about names. So Abraham calls Isaac, Isaac. And in the same way, it says here, it's through Isaac that the rest of Abraham's offspring are going to be called, they'll be named through Isaac. So like you said, Mike, the fact that it's Isaac who's named here and he's the one who Abraham's descendants will be named from Mm. and Ishmael's name is nowhere. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's this narrative way that shows the point that that we see that Ishmael is fading away Mm. into the background here. And that's helpful. I guess that sort of leads us into our next question because sometimes the author of the scriptures uses these kind of literary narrative type devices to help us as the reader to see things. Absolutely. Um, which kind of leads us into our, our next question. Um, there's a there's a question about 1 Chronicles one twenty eight. Now we're in Genesis, but 1 Chronicles 1 has uh, a genealogy um, in that it begin and it begins right back with the patriarchs and Abraham's in there. Um, in verses 28 through to 34 or so, 
and uh, that there's um, it lists Isaac's sons as uh, Abraham's sons as Isaac and Ishmael, but then it um, lists Abraham's other children, his sons, by a concubine Keturah that he has, um, and they get li- listed separately. Um, can you help us to see why that is, and, and who then are Abraham's real sons? So verse uh, 28 in 1 Chronicles 1, uh, the sons of Abraham, Isaac and Ishmael. And uh, that, that's kind of interesting in and of itself that Isaac is named first. Now we know why that is from Genesis 21, but as Jack said, uh, Isaac is the, the promised child through whom Israel will be named. Um, and Ishmael, although he was born first, definitely plays second fiddle. Um, and so... Uh, he kind of disappears at one level, or at least is far less prominent than Isaac. Um, but then, yeah, you've got some of the other descendants of Abraham, and um, perhaps not all named, but um, ones some named. And then you get to the, verse 34, and it comes back kind of at the close of that section at one level, kind of a bit of a, a bracketing, that Abraham was the father of Isaac, and then the sons of Isaac... Esau and Israel and so I think um, the genealogy is kind of stylized it's put together in a way to help us to see what's really important Mm. in a little bit of a similar way to Matthew chapter 1 if you remember the genealogy of Jesus um, which actually highlights Abraham and highlights David Um, it's not a complete genealogy it's not every single descendant from Abraham through to Jesus it's kind of a stylized um, genealogy, which helps us to see kind of what's important, um, and uh, it's kind of making a theological point, not just a kind of a complete, uh, complete. Uh, this is not ancestry dot com trying to get us all. <laughs> nice, the, the, thank you. Know. you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, just one other comment for for some people, it might be news that Abraham has other sons. Anyway, I mean, we've had so much trouble even getting to Ishmael and then to Isaac. And then it's funny, so this, this question, it, it traces back to Genesis 25. So right at the end of Genesis, sorry, right at the end of Abraham's part of Genesis, you suddenly find out, oh, Abraham takes another wife and he has like six other kids. And after all of the tension that took for the first two kids, it's kind of, there's <laughs> a sudden flood of children that all come at the end. And I guess this is God's promise to Abraham coming true. You know, Abraham will be the father of many nations and you start to see all these nations spinning off right at the end. But I think the... The thing that sets Ishmael off from those other sons that get born to Keturah, his concubine, are the fact that God makes these explicit promises to Ishmael as well. We saw that in chapter 21. God promises that Ishmael will be a great nation as well. Mm. So I guess you have like these three groups of Abraham's children, really. You have Isaac. He's the child of the promise. He's, he's the future. You know, he's the one Abraham puts all his, all, the, all his eggs in that basket. And then Ishmael is kind of like the second tier. God still made promises to him. And then you have these other set of sons that... God's still turning into nations. God's giving all these nations in Abraham's descendants. Okay. Well, let, let's keep going with that because our next question is um, about Ishmael and, and what ends up happening to that nation? What what happens to the Ishmaelites? Is, do we meet them in the Bible again? Where, where do they... Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you said, Mike, uh, after Genesis 22, when God says, you know, Isaac, your only son... Ishmael really does fade out into the background. He does turn up for a, for a minute in Genesis 25 when Abraham dies and he's buried. Ishmael comes back for the funeral. So hmm. he's had some kind of connection with, uh, with Abraham over those years, I guess, but he really does seem to be out of the picture after chapter 25. 
Chapter 25 does talk about Ishmael's descendants and it talks about how they kind of move off towards the south. They're like south of the promised land. They live down in, uh, yeah, it's further towards the like Arabian Peninsula down south of Israel. And we do see the Ishmaelites coming up from time to time. So in Genesis chapter 37, you might remember the story where Jacob's 12 sons, most of them gang up on Joseph, uh, and Joseph gets you know, beaten up and sold off to some slave traders, and they're, they're named as Ishmaelites. So mm. there's this caravan of Ishmaelites who come along, mm. they pick Joseph up, take him down to Egypt. There are a few other places they turn up throughout the Old Testament. Uh, there's, there's a verse in the Psalms that helps us understand their role. So Psalm 83 verse 5, it's talking about all the different enemies of the nation of Israel. The psalmist writes, With one mind they plot together. They form an alliance against you, the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab and the Hagrites. And then there's there's all these other peoples that get named. Like there's this big list of nations that live around Israel. And the Ishmaelites are named as one of them. So they seem to be a people who they flourish, God turns them into a big nation, and then they become enemies of Israel and end up being a bit of a thorn in their side. Which kind of fulfills Genesis 21, doesn't it? The yeah. Kind of, uh, the blessing, but a kind of a mixed blessing for, for Ishmael. Yeah, that's right. And in chapter 16 as well, like God makes these promises to Ishmael and says he's going to be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone. He will live in hostility toward all his brothers. So we start to see that, that play out, not just in Ishmael's life, but in the, the lives of the people descended from him. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, la- last question about Ishmael. Um, so this one's come in that th- there's a theory going around um, you hear it kind of uh, that, that the Arab peoples kind of generally are descended from Ishmael is that does that have legs is that legit yeah it's a big claim and it's one that yeah you may have heard of it yourself like it's something that um, that we hear a lot particularly from from Muslim people uh, so this is a significant idea in Islamic theology so um, the Islamic text <coughs> the Islamic texts talk about how Muhammad uh, claimed to be a descendant of Ishmael, and that's quite important for their whole theology. So Islam claims to be in continuity with Judaism and with Christianity. They're all, you know, we're part of the same kind of outworkings of this God. So they want to trace their ancestry back to Abraham because Abraham's a man of blessing. He's the one God made the promises to. You've got to be in his line if you're part of God's plan. And it's a tricky question. I, I think there's, there's not a lot of evidence outside the Islamic texts for this claim. So it's, yeah, it, there's nothing I can point to and say, yeah, look, this is really obviously true. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's that kind of out of left field either because, like I said, Ishmael, his people do go down towards the Arabian Peninsula. So I'd be very surprised if there were no Arabic people who were descended from Ishmael. That's just where him and his family lived. Yeah, I guess the... The bigger questions are, yeah, how much does this matter, I think. Um, if, you're, if you're a Muslim, this is quite significant. So this is something, yeah, I don't think we should necessarily, you know, pick a fight with our Muslim friends over, say, like, oh, yeah, you guys claim to be descended from Israel, but you're not really, ha-ha. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I think whether it's true or not, there's, there's bigger fish to fry for us. Like, this isn't the reason I disagree with Islam. Like, there are much bigger issues. Yeah. And really, whether the Arabic people are from Ishmael or not, they don't need to be descended from Abraham biologically to have access to the blessings of God. Nowadays, they need to believe in Jesus because he's the one who brings God's blessings to all the nations of the world, regardless of who they're descended from. That, that's, that's really helpful. I mean, the, the, the gospel claim is that it no longer matters about biological descent because Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises and whether you're Arabic or Western or whoever you are, come, come to God, receive the blessing through Jesus Christ.
Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's it for questions for this week. Thanks for sending those in. Um, you two gentlemen are preaching this coming Sunday, taking us into the next chunk. Where, where are we going this week? So heading into Genesis 22, uh, which is a fascinating and scary and wonderful chapter of God testing Abraham. Abraham's incredible faith, God's amazing provision. Um, but it's a chapter that kind of will mess with you a little bit. Um, mm. You know, Why does God put Abraham through such a horrific test? And how does Abraham even dare to obey and... And uh, but ultimately, it's going to push us really hard to Jesus, which I'm really, really excited about. But it's a kind of chapter that's going to mess with your brain a little bit, I think. Absolutely, it's messing with my brain right now <laughs> this week as I wrestle with it now. But this is really the climax. This is the the big capstone moment of Abraham's life. So it's going to be a great thing for us to get into. Hmm. Okay, looking forward to it. Um, yeah, guys, thanks for your work answering our questions and. Uh, Everyone else, we'll see you at church on Sunday and uh, looking forward to seeing you there. See you guys. See you then. Bye.